Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Hustling Sideways. I'm Alan Hallis. I'm a music writer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I am Jim Love, and I'm a keynote and motivational speaker from Chicago, Illinois, living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I always just got to throw that in there just to put a crutch in our in our uh, our intro. Yeah, that, we're here. <laughs> we're here. It is episode 59 of the Hustling Sideways podcast. Um, Jim right. and I just saw each other literally yesterday for episode literally, which came yeah. out two weeks ago. Um, I also literally just finished a run. Like I got done, I ran three miles and like, nice. I knew that we were doing this virtual today. So I'm like, oh, I can, I can be sweaty. That's so, right. That's <laughs> a, it's a humble flex, but you know, yeah, fair enough. So shout out to, shout out to Alan. I, I never said um, I ran him fast. Well, just, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, so this is obviously virtual today and, um, a little behind the scenes, uh, it took me like 20 minutes to log in on this meeting. So we're here now. We're, we're good to go. We're excited. Um, and what's funny is I equate that to me having been late to uh, like having to use directions for Alan's house the first 25 times that we recorded because I couldn't <laughs> figure out where to go. So that's kind of the virtual equivalent of me having to do directions. And that was an analogy we're, I just came up with my head and now. So, you know, we're, we were, we're sent good. on a, a virtual map quest. And that's the whole <laughs> but, if uh, you've hit the tracks, you've gone too far. Yes, exactly. You were asking, you were asking somebody outside, one of your neighbors, like how to, if I make a turn here, do I get to the zoom link to, yeah. <laughs> it won't anyway. quite. Yes. Well, we have an amazing guest today. As you all know, um, what well, this was actually supposed to happen a couple months ago, but it's now going to be happening next semester is Alan and I are going to be doing some live episodes from the 707 Hub in in uh, in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at, at a place called Marquette University, which I don't know if any of you are familiar with that place, uh, but we're, we're very excited. Listen to this have definitely heard of Marquette. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah, so we uh, one good thing about being connected to the 707 Hub is that we end up being connected to really, really cool people who have a boatload of side hustles who are the perfect people to interview. And we have one of those people with us today. Uh, so we are pumped up. Um, th on that note, I'm just going to introduce him. So we have Kyle Haggy, who is the director of community, which I love, at The Morning Brew uh, and, um, and with a slew of other high side hustles that we'll get into. So Kyle, welcome to Hustling Sideways. This is your applause yeah. track. Welcome. I love it. I, the live applause track, Alan, Jim, Alan, I'm glad you got to run in Jim. I'm glad that you've found and learned zoom. It's only been three years, <laughs> but you got it down now. That's good. I'm Let's glad be clear. Be this was Alan's fault. I want to be clear about that. There were broken links wow. and, and this, yes. might, this might be the podcast that ruins the relationship. That's that right. We're done. Fun. I guess that's yeah. it. This is the one. You know what? Stay at that house. Stay at that you house. You stay here. Don't go. <laughs> Don't go. I understand. That's Angrily great. Log off. <laughs> <laughs> Leave meeting. Leave meeting. <laughs> you know, okay, real quick as a sidebar, mm -hmm. you can't angrily hang up a phone anymore. And I, like, you don't just like hit a phone and just be like, yeah, it doesn't do the same thing. Is there a way like, I, I've never been in a Zoom meeting where somebody is like angrily signed off, but <laughs> if that happens, like, you I can like the effect of slamming a phone now. Yeah, I guess you could like slam your computer shut. Like if if I were to take my computer and slam it shut, that'd probably be the equivalent, which I could do if I get really upset. I would totally do that. That's the only one. That's but it. We won't be doing that today because we've got Kyle here and he's got a, a great story as well. Um, and uh, had a little bit of time at Marquette, just like us. But before we get into Marquette, uh, let's learn a little bit kind of about your background um, and, and what really got you interested in, in you know, doing the stuff that you're, you're starting to pursue. Um, tell us a little bit how you grew up, where you grew up and, uh, you know, what we were all involved in. 
Yeah, so I, I grew up in the great city of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, a little burb uh, outside of Minneapolis. I went to the University of Minnesota and graduated in 2015, degree in political science and philosophy. So I was extremely unemployable, which is always fun. And then I actually did AmeriCorps for two years. Uh, so that brought me to Milwaukee. I did two years of AmeriCorps for an organization in the city called College Possible. They're focused on helping first-gen low-income students get to and through college. So I was a teacher for two years at Milwaukee High School of the Arts. Um, and then after that, I got into Marquette as a Trinity Fellow, which is a fellowship for social and economic justice, and got my master's in political science. And while I was at Marquette, my actual job through the Trinity Fellowship was the housing authority uh, for the city of Milwaukee. So I was working there as well. And then that is kind of where I started doing a lot of different side hustles, so to speak. <laughs> now, did, did you ever think you'd be a teacher? That Because that, that's that's like, I mean, obviously, AmeriCorps is awesome. Did you like, what, what was that like to, to walk into a classroom and lesson plan <laughs> like to do? Yeah, all yeah, yeah. It, it's a great question. I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a teacher, mm -hmm. um, although my mom was. So shout out to Dory Hagee. She was uh, an elementary school uh, teacher. And so it, it definitely wasn't about that. For me, it was really about impact. And I grew up in what I would say is just a pretty privileged uh, position. And I felt like what you do with privilege is try to make the world a little better. And so at the time, and I still do believe this, but at the time I was really drawn to service. And so that's what made me want to do AmeriCorps. Uh, and so I was kind of like, I felt like I was like an AmeriCorps free agent. I was like, whoever mm -hmm. signs me, I'm going to do it. And so I ended up, you know, getting drafted, so to speak, for College Possible and then went to Milwaukee. And yeah, lesson planning became uh, a skill of mine, I suppose. <laughs> That's great. It's a lot to learn. I can't imagine doing it. So kudos to you. And I'm just going to imagine how much you learn in that process. Of, of, oh, yeah. Uh, the and whole look, experience. You, you, I never thought I'd be excited about the Pythagorean theorem, but I really, <laughs> it really, it really got me going. I still, I still feel like I don't know it. And we no don't idea. have to. You don't have to. I got my lesson plan right in the back. I could, you know, I could pull something up here. <laughs> I'll be a, a bonus episode one week as we'll, we'll learn the Pythagorean theorem again. Uh, um, but that that initial experience of teaching and and having kids and being you know kids that look up to you now and and kind of mentoring them, um, what what's kind of the challenge that faces you like from you know the jump? I, I'm sure that's a little intimidating when you now have to kind of engage with these kids and make sure that they're like actually interested in what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah what what was that kind of initial process like for you and how did you kind of figure that out yeah it's a very thoughtful question i would say that i was also teaching after school so i was in the school during the day and then for two hours after school i'd have to teach so like it's like you're playing on hard mode at that point like kids don't even have to be there they just sat through like eight hours of school and you're just armed with some flaming hot cheetos and and a dream to get them to come to the session but i do think there's actually a lot of lessons i think that um, you know, it's like, if you have to motivate someone, you're rarely going to do it like contractually. Like if you have to go to like, well, you signed this paper that said you were going to show up. So you should, that typically fails. But if you can get them to commit or like believe in a vision and that they're kind of opting into the experience that always going to lead to the best results. So I think probably the first month I really just focused on building relationships. I think, you know, you're not going to trust someone that you don't have a relationship with. And I think it's particularly important to develop those relationships. So focusing on the relationships, making the kids understand that, like, I did actually 
care about them. And I wanted to, I wanted to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve and not what I thought they should achieve. So I think that was also important. And then the last thing that's probably the biggest lesson from that time is just authenticity. I mean, the school was, I would say 90% students of color. Um, obviously I'm not. And so I think there's this, I don't know, maybe plan where you think you have to change, but I think that people can just see through that. And so just being authentic, like actually who you are, I think people respect other people that feel like they are authentic. They're coming from a place of, of their true self. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I leaned into that and um, yeah, it, it was a great experience. That's awesome. Yeah. First of all, I, the, the, um, the, like the word that comes to mind when, when you were explaining that, which is actually the antonym of what you're explaining. Oftentimes I think people like consider maybe teaching or coaching as transactional and, and just sort of like, here you go, take this. And like, you were so beyond that into a deeper level of building relationships and trust. And so first of all, that is awesome. And I love that approach because I think that's how really teachers and coaches and, and anyone becomes successful is to do it that way and build it up with your with your students or your players, whoever it might be, and, and take yeah. it. Because then they learn something and they, they, they can be real with you. And then the authenticity piece, Alan knows this. This is what I speak about. You know, I, I'm, I'm a speaker at schools and colleges, et cetera. And that's, that's literally one of the themes of my talk is, is being yourself. And it's funny because that sounds fairly simple to just be yourself. And it's, and it's just so not like it's uh, so often people um, try to be someone particularly in a leadership role that they're not. And when you can approach it, you know, like you mentioned, that's, that's obviously a difficult situation to walk in where you don't, you don't probably don't look like the majority of the students and it's difficult for Mm -hmm. them to relate to you, but you're like, Hey guys, this is me. And this is what I've got. And if we work together and we do this in a way that's going to build relationships, it works. And I could, I could just tell that that worked. (laughs) Like I could, I could sense that that was a really good thing. I mean, I think just on that, when you are authentic yourself or you're vulnerable yourself, even like we have a thing like name it to tame it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, maybe I don't fit in or like I'm a little nervous, sometimes just calling that out like, hey, y'all, this is my first time in a classroom. I'm nervous Mm -hmm. as shit. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like bear with me. I'm going to do my best. Like it kind of just lightens the mood a little bit. Totally. And I do think that by you being vulnerable and by you being authentic, you just invite others to do the same, uh, you know, okay, now they have permission to say how they're feeling or what they're going through. So I think that's really important. Then, you, you know, to the point about building relationships, the framework of radical candor, where you, you care deeply about someone, but you're able mm-hmm. to give them kind of the brutal truth. You have to have a relationship with someone if you want to give them critical feedback, or they're not mm-hmm. going to take the critical feedback. And so I often think that there's this trope where, you know, I'm just going to say whatever I want, and it's on the other person to take it, like, I'm just going to give them honesty. But if you don't have a relationship, they're not going to listen to you. And so if you do really think that your advice is good, it actually benefits you to form a relationship. So they actually listen to you. So yeah, you have to have both. You have to form a relationship so you can have some difficult conversations. I love it. I love it. I I will say, um, sorry, Alan, but the last thing I want to throw out there, like the admitting to, to uh, mistakes, you know, what I found is that people don't relate to perfect they don't because they're not no one is and the more you can be vulnerable like so i i did a keynote once and i literally skipped over like a really significant critical part of my section i just i just flipped the wrong note card over and i was going in two minutes in the next part i was like oh shit like i i, I forgot it very and i I go, I go guys i just messed up 
So like, let's go back. And then I did the reverse reverse from the cha-cha slide and they all did it <laughs> with me and I went and did the thing and it moved out and it worked and it worked great. They were like, yeah, like, and that's, I, I, I just stopped myself. I was like, that didn't work. We got to go back and do it. And, um, and that took a long time to like train myself to get to a level of comfortability like it. But then they immediately were like zoned in, like this guy's, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional and I messed up, <laughs> like I yep. messed up pretty significantly, but we did it together and we went and I and made it fun, you know? And so I, I, that's, oh, yeah. it's, I, I love, I love that approach because it's important and, and students particularly relate to that. That's, that's what they, you know, dive into. So anyone out there who's works with students or just has an opportunity to be a resource to students, that is just so critical uh, that I, Kyle mentioned it. I, I echo it is, is to really um, it's, it's, it's okay to mess up and to call it out. And to be like, you're going to do that too. So let's do this together. So that's, I just, I, I really appreciate that perspective. Of course. Yeah. Um, what I want to say is uh, when you're dealing with like first gen students, like you were, mm-hmm. um, you know, the idea of college possible to, to basically say like, look, it is viable for you to get into, you know, higher education and, and maybe they're in a situation, I think na- naturally where they might feel a little hopeless. Um what, did you see students really kind of grasping like, yes, I can actually make it, you know, I can make it out of wherever they are. Not saying that they were necessarily the worst place in the world, but, you know, their public schools are under, underfunded and, you know, they mm-hmm. might have forgotten in that system. Yeah. So did you get to see students, do you think that it kind of connected with them and, and you were able to make change with them and say, you know, um, college is possible? <laughs> yeah, I, I think my you know, I, my personal opinion is like my approach probably wouldn't change based on who I'm talking to. I think part of it is just understanding, like, what are your actual goals? And again, going back to just getting to know someone, what do you want to accomplish for high school, for whatever is next? And I think, you know, college possible, the goal is to help people get into college, but I really do think it's about helping people discover what the next step might be for them. If that's college, okay, like we're going to be able to help you kind of figure out that process, which is confusing as shit, no matter who you are. Um, And if it's not, then okay, like let's lay out your options and just make sure that, you know, whatever you want to do, we want to put you in the best position to achieve that. And I think that that philosophy scales to no matter who you are. Um, And everyone has a very different situation uh, that's even joining College Possible as well um that the the program itself was focused on the academic middle so these were kids that um you know weren't like top 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 of their class but they were solid students and maybe that they just needed a little extra help or they wanted a little extra help to maybe get to the best fit college these were kids who were applying to college possible they got in uh and so there was some you know level of opt-in from them uh from the start and yeah it was it was a great experience yeah definitely um, moving forward just a little bit, I, I do still want to touch on something else that you were doing while you were in Milwaukee. Uh, you yeah. helped, you helped co-found, uh, bridge the city, um, which was a podcast that was kind of aimed at, you know, connecting people that necessarily weren't connected. And I want to tell me a little bit about how it kind of came about. And, you know, if you had any kind of success stories from, from that time. Yeah, it, it came about cause I was just a, a really avid listener of podcasts. And I basically was like, if I, all right, how hard could this be? Uh, so, you know, it, 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 there is a lesson in there too, where it's like, sometimes naivete is a superpower. Mm-hmm. Sometimes really not knowing how hard it would be 
because you would never would have started. Like if I really knew how hard fucking podcasting was, like again, like this isn't like a war. So let's take this, you know, in the context of the conversation. It's like actually a lot more challenging than you think if you're doing everything. Like we were doing booking the guests, recording the interview, editing the audio, publishing the audio, promoting it, full everything from start to finish. And it was me and my co-founder, Ben Rangel, who was a current teacher at Crystal Ray. So shout out to Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just both love podcasts and we were like, let's try to do one. And we also both did AmeriCorps. I met Ben at College Possible. We also both were in the Trinity Fellowship program. And so we had this shared love of Milwaukee and we had the shared love of like trying to do something positive for the community that you're in. And it was, you know, my sense at the time that most people felt like they could make a difference through national politics, which is definitely important. I'm not here to say it's not, but oftentimes my experience was that people would try to their first time ever trying to make a difference would be to engage nationally. And like they would email their senator or like Mm. call their congressperson and you know how it is like you're not really going to make a difference doing that, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Um, Mm. And so they would feel like dejected a little bit like, oh, I tried. It didn't work. So there's nothing I can do where we thought, okay, a much easier avenue for your first kind of dose of civic engagement is actually locally where the Mm -hmm. feedback loop is way tighter. Uh, The people like just from the demand side, the mayor doesn't get as many calls as a senator. And as many emails as a congressperson. So like your voice actually does matter. And you're just so close to the action. You can really see what changes need to happen and communicate that to officials. Um, and it's easier to organize with people that are around you. So we just thought, okay, let's give people this dose of civic engagement. Let's make it really local. Let's make it really easy. And then once you build kind of confidence and competence in civic engagement, then take that confidence and, and maybe scale it up to the national level. You know the system a little more you know that eventually you will break through. So that was the whole kind of point of it. And the other thing that I loved about our podcast is we ended every single episode with an action step. And this is kind of something I've carried through for my whole career is like not just informing people about something that is going on or having a conversation, but giving them something very simple that they could do in the next 24 hours next week that could make a difference in their community. And we would end every episode with that ask to our guest. Like, hey, you've been around Milwaukee a lot. You're an influential figure. You've seen a lot. What's one thing that someone could do this week to make a difference in their community? And so by the end of this show, I mean, it's still running, but I'm not involved anymore. But we probably had like two, 300 great action steps that people could take to yeah. make a difference in their community. I love that. What were, yeah. what, were, what were some of your favorites? Like, I'm curious, like what would pop up that you remembered? Like, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot. I think the one that comes to mind is we... Uh, interviewed a lot of the candidates for governor, including mm-hmm. Governor Evers. So it's cool when you interview someone and they become governor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I think Bridge the City, you know, really put him over the top. So he kind of owes us one for our interview there. <laughs> um, I love you know, it. We interviewed the mayor. I think uh, we interviewed Bria Smith, who you, mm-hmm. you 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 likely maybe you know, but she was part of the March for Our Lives group uh, in Milwaukee, and she was just this brilliant young woman and i think you know interacting with kids that are like 16 and just like so wise and like really fucking care Mm -hmm. it's it's so inspiring so that was great um and then i think our first episode i'll never forget because (laughs) going back to the naivete like we were idiots i mean we went to interview adam carr 
and we brought a little like microphone. I think we checked out from our cat that I don't even remember what it's called, but it's like, it sits like on a table. And then we like interviewed him. At, I swear it was like 7 a.m. He was like, that's the only time available. We were like <laughs> some random place I've never been. We set this mic on the table. Cars are zooming by the window. So like every second we're talking. The audio is going to be fucking terrible. We were far away from the mic. So I remember editing that thing. Like I was like fixing. I don't know, like a movie. Like I was like, this is so bad. And also I just downloaded Audacity. I've never audio engineered in my life. So like uh, I spent probably like five days on that thing. And th- that was tough, but it was like, it was, it was a good like lesson of like naivete is going to get you to start. And then really just like dedication and consistency is going to carry you through the rest of the way. I love and it. And it was amazing to see, like, I got a job audio engineering and producing a podcast, like full-time job at Marquette you know, two years because of Bridge to City, self-taught skill that I just mm-hmm. had to learn because no one else was going to do it. So there's there's definitely a lesson there too and about how side hustles can even lead to full-time opportunities. Oh, 100%. I, 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 do, I do love the idea of being naive. I can't say, what, it, how do you say the word? Like na, 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 naivete. 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 I don't know why I can't say that. I'm just going to call it being one. naive. Uh, so, because yeah. I think oftentimes when people know too much, they go into something, they're like, I can't do it. I can't do it because of all the forces. Like I, I pride myself on being a little blissfully ignorant about a lot of stuff <laughs> where I don't, I don't know enough to not go for it. And I'm convinced yeah. that that's why I've done a few, like, like it's you know, a lot of things I do are not that easy. Like I didn't know a thing about podcasts, not that I do now, but you know, it's like, like <laughs> let's start this and see what happens. And they, and actually every, every action item you listed out, I have Alan that, that does most of it. So he's, you know, don't tell anyone I said that, but Alan's kind of the brains behind the operation. So it works out pretty well. But Shout out to Alan. I've sent Shout everything to AI. Yeah, Everything's AI right. now. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We I'm actually, I'm, I'm a, I'm actually chat GBT just in human form. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm fully AI. We were um, just talking about that dude yesterday. We were like, what if we did like a bonus episode that was just strictly from like, Chat, like chat from chat, whatever the hell it's called, GBT. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. shows how much I go on it, but um, yeah, I just think it's it's fascinating, terrifying, and going to change the world at the same time. But is. moral of the story There's... is like if if you don't put those thoughts in your head of what can fail, you typically yeah. will go after it with a clear mind. And I really like that because I think that's that's kind of the way you've approached it, and it's worked out well. You know, you learned a there... lot from it. There's two great quotes. I, I worked with Chuck Swoboda, who is a Marquette's innovator in residence, and he hosted yeah. the Innovators on Tap podcast that I was producing. And he had this great quote that sticks with me to this day. And, and, and I absolutely love Chuck. He's been a huge influence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, the problem with experts is they know it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And when he, his company was innovating on the LED light bulb, he had the world's top physicist basically saying that the technology that you need to develop to make this a commercially viable product is impossible <laughs> and right. The, and, and like, it kind of was like they were experts and they had been yeah. studying this forever and like, so you kind of build a box when you're an expert and you get kind of trapped in it, in the mm-hmm. best practices. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it does take a naive, fresh set of eyes to be like, well, what if we just did this thing that the Try experts have way. often overlooked? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when Steve Jobs was fired from Apple uh, the, the first time, he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him upon mm-hmm. reflection because he had the opportunity to become a beginner again. Mm-hmm. And there's just something so powerful about coming to a, a, a problem with a fresh perspective with beginner's mm-hmm. eyes. And I do think that the people that most evolve in their career and stay fresh and stay relevant, always view the world 
like semi as a beginner. There's always mm-hmm. something to learn. There's always something I'm missing. Nothing is impossible. And it's those people that ultimately have great careers and, and transform the world. Yeah. No, without a doubt. I think that's spot. On. I mean, I, yeah, because have, having that mindset makes a difference. And if you if you psych yourself out before you start something, it's probably not going to happen. And yeah, I think yeah. it's really important. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like your your work, obviously, you, you know, going into Marquette and in, 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 uh, in graduate school and begin kind of working with the 707 hub, you know, and, um, and probably in, in the relatively early days, I think I, I, I'm not sure how long it's been. Open. Yeah, I think um, I think it was pretty early. Yeah. Like, what, what was that like? I know you probably got to meet a lot of people, obviously, Chuck, who's a friend of mine, too. Great, great guy. And, yeah. um, you know, what was just people you got introduced to some of the experiences you had? What did what did some of that teach you? And for those, obviously, I think everyone pretty much knows what 707 Hub is now, but innovation and, and really entrepreneurs coming together to share ideas and get better as a result is the best the best way I could describe it from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in some ways, I would say that college or graduate school or wherever is probably the best time in your life to do as many random things as possible. Oh yeah. I would almost say like, I was, I, I, I never, I mean, I did enough to like pass classes mm-hmm. and, and like people are always like, but don't take my advice. No, I literally think like people care too much about classes <laughs> and you're on a campus where like you're at marquette.edu Gmail or like email is like the key to the city. Yeah. Because so many people will just help out students. Oh, it's a student project? Sure. Mm-hmm. But let's do it. Mm-hmm. And like if you're in a, a privileged position where like maybe like your parents are paying for school or like you're in a dorm room and like you're not paying rent, then like you have four years where like life isn't real. Like you're so <laughs> lucky if you're in that position. Life is not real. You have basically unlimited bandwidth and a key to the city or to the world to do whatever you want. And mm-hmm. even if it fails, no one expects it to be good. You're like a dumbass. Sorry, I don't know if I swear, but you like, can say, you're, yeah, you're good. You're like yeah, a dumbass, like sophomore, <laughs> like no one's like, Oh, this isn't perfect. So the bar is so low. The opportunity is so high and you're kind of on borrowed time. And so for mm-hmm. four years, I would literally start a podcast. I would write, I would <laughs> do whatever wild dreams you have, because one of them might take off. But if they don't, by the time you graduate, you're going to be like five years ahead of your peers because you mm-hmm. ran six or seven different businesses. You've had all these different experiences. And that's, to me, way more valuable than, um, you know, maybe getting an A instead of a, a B or something like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the 707 Hub is great. And But I think all of Marquette's great. All colleges mm-hmm. are great. It's literally a bunch of people who wake up every day and in their and their best mood is like, how do I help people achieve what they want to achieve? Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by people that are going to help you professors are hella connected. The businesses love you, like literally take full advantage of that. Um, Cause it's, it's a rare time in your life. Once you graduate, people are like, now you're an adult. I don't want to help you. Like yeah. Yeah, that's going to cost money. It's yeah, so true. Exactly. It's so true. I learned so much. I think, I, I mean, okay. I don't remember a ton from classes. I will say that. I learned <laughs> so much though, from like doing projects and going out into the city because we were shooting a lot of videos and like, that experience of getting out and having, like you said, access because you're a student is key because, you know, now all of a sudden, yeah, you're renting, like for us, we were making videos and making stuff. We're renting cameras that we would never be able to afford. Mm-hmm. We're, yep. You know, we're, we're working with people and getting access to people to interview them and whatever, because they, they know it's going to be just some student thing. It's probably not going to air anywhere. It's going to hurt them, you know? So like, you learn literally on the job sort of, but it was all about getting out and getting out of the classroom for me too. So I a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, taking bridge to city, like 
we it's it's so it's about so much more than podcasting if you really break down what you have to do as just like a two-person team we had to file we filed an llc Mm -hmm. we had to make a bank account we -hmm. had to schedule our own guests you had to have good communication skills you had to know how to find people's email you had to like send them emails that didn't make them go who the hell is this (laughs) then you have to like show up on time you have to get all the equipment you have to organize everything you have to edit it you have to publish it we built a website like when you really break it down, you're learning all of these really important skills from the ground up yourself. So you walk out again, if it's even if the business, so to speak, is a failure, you're coming out armed with a, a plethora of skills, which is pretty dope. Yeah. And I it's love a it. it's a training ground to fail because if you do, then I mean, nobody really kind of you can brush that off as yeah, I was a student. Yeah. It's house yeah. money. Or, I mean, it re- it's really like house money. You just go and, yeah. and you try. And not to mention, you get a meal plan and people make food for you. That was that was definitely <laughs> my favorite part. But the, I would I would get Dude. a meal plan at this moment right now if I it's yeah like, I loved it. Who, whoever's I'm, working on adult meal plans, you, you hit us up. You got three Simon. investors right there. We go. Sign us up. I'm I'm like a hundred percent serious too, which is actually kind of sad. But you know, here, that's here the we new are. side side hustle is we're gonna start an adult <laughs> meal plan. I give each other swipes like uh, an app where you can send each other swipes. Wipes. be awesome i would go to colby and get chicken nuggets like at this moment for sure It'd be great we might have just invented something we maybe don't <laughs> no. uh, yeah uh so kyle let's talk about like what brings you out to new york then um uh, and, and what ultimately gets you to to morning brew um tell us about that that journey and you know what made you make the leap yeah so i'll, I'll maybe back up to i graduate from marquette and just the, again, talking about the power of side hustles, one of the benefits too is like, you're just kind of putting your name out there. Mm-hmm. You're increasing the surface area of luck. And so I got an email one day from Chuck. I did not know this guy. I get an email from Chuck Sabote. He's like, hey, I was talking to someone at Marquette. I'm thinking about launching a podcast. They know you and they know you know how to do everything about a podcast. If you want to talk, by the way, I was the public company CEO of a billion dollar company for 16 years. And I was like, yeah, I saw a billion dollars. I was like, you name the coffee place, Chuck, I'm going to be there. So I met up with Chuck and that led to a full-time job. So like the, just once you start doing, you never know where that is going to lead. So that was great. I, I, I worked with Chuck for two years. We did podcasts, we did events, we worked with students at Marquette. And so I learned a lot from him, like so much. And we interviewed a lot of great entrepreneurs and leaders. And yeah, and then at that time, I think I just... It, I never saw myself working for a university um, and, you know, there's no knock in universities, but I think it's about a, it's about fit. And I was a much more like, I need something like scrappy and like startup-y. And I think, mm. it, you know, big bureaucracies are probably the opposite of that. So I applied to a job at Morning Brew and this again was a, another job. It was at that time, basically community manager. I never had a job that had community in the title. But I was able to tell a career narrative in which community was very important to me. And it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I had to build a community at AmeriCorps. I was part of the Trinity Fellows community and saw the power of that. Uh, when we were doing Bridge the City, it was all about bridging people together and creating community in Milwaukee. And so the other benefit of doing a lot of side hustles is they're very convenient when you have to interview for a full-time role because <laughs> they allow you to craft a career narrative that's very, very effective because you actually can speak to a lot of things. And it's kind of proof that you're a self-starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, my favorite interview questions is like, tell me something that you did that no one told you to do. <laughs> yeah. And like, if, if, they can, if they're like, oh yeah, I have like this really cool side hustle. No one told me to do it. I figured this out. I figured that out. Okay. I know that if I just throw this problem at this person, 
they're going to figure it out. They don't need a roadmap. They're able to create their own. So it, it's one of the best things you can do for so many different reasons. And I think that's partly why Morning Brew took a shot on me. And I feel really grateful to the company as well for that. Yeah, I actually, I got my job partially because of my side hustle too. So yeah, yeah, I, I would say that um, my side hustle has added a ton of value that I wouldn't have had to my, I didn't get yeah. it because of it, but what I've been able to do and, 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 you know, and, and Kyle, to your point, like the greatest interview answers ever when, when you're you know talking about like name a situation where you're like, you know, be flexible, like literally every talk I've ever given when they don't give me enough time, you know, like yeah. I, 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 I had a fire drill go on when I started a keynote two weeks ago and I like made it work. Like it's just, yeah. you just, you just learn stuff and it's so fun and it's scary, but it, it gives you perspective that you realize that you would have a leg up, but yeah, there's, there's a level of, of how much transferability you know, from, from one thing to the next. And, and you do form your own narrative. I love that. Cause I, I, yeah. I think, you know, you, you are your brand, right. And if you can form the, the, the sort of story behind that, not everyone can do that. They're kind of like, well, I think I'm into marketing. I'm really into sales, you know, like they're really just sort of broad leaf type of things. But if you mm-hmm. can come down and be like, here's what I've done. Here's why community is really important to me. And here's how it's going to impact this role. Like that's the job, like game on, yeah. you know, and it, it worked out. And I think it's cool. You found a place that really is suitable for some of those needs and in, in, in your kind of your next steps. And it feels like it's been a, a really good fit. But I, I think that's like that level of having so many experiences to come in and be like, yeah, I have a, I have an answer for everything you're about to ask me. Like, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> and, 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 and to provide like a counterpoint, cause I think mm-hmm. maybe someone's listening to this and they're like a PhD physicist and they're like, Hey Kyle, <laughs> your podcast is cool and all, but like, I'm trying to like split the atom. And so I need to focus and I need to be locked into that like every single day. So I, I totally understand that. There's a great mm-hmm. book called Range, uh, Range by David Epstein. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's like the taglines, like how generalists will triumph in a world full of specialists. But I, I, I think that's kind of a caricature of his argument. Mm-hmm. But what I would say to someone that, you know, maybe doesn't buy into the side hustle thing is I think we have this belief that in order to get great at X, all you should do is X. It's like the 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell rule. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the research that I'm privy to and that is in the book, it's not about not becoming great at one thing. It's just the idea that if you want to become great at X, you still need to do X. But by doing a little bit of Y and a little bit of Z, it makes you better at X. Mm-hmm. So the physicist that's like a killer physicist, but also has done this like interesting side project. The number of times I hear people say my biggest breakthrough was applying an analogy across domains. I had this side hustle, but I had a main thing. A thing I learned in the side hustle, holy shit, what if I did that over here? And that is how you end up doing breakthroughs. The most creative breakthroughs often come from people that like are applying something and they learn somewhere else to it. And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. even if you're a little skeptical of this idea of a side hustle, I think just like looking at that research and understanding that like you still need to be great. You still need to do one thing a lot but doing some other things will make you better at that main thing than just doing it alone. Yeah. I mean, it's going back to the idea of coming with whatever your project is with a fresh perspective. So let's say I had like a long day, you know, work, whatever. And I go and do my side hustle. The next day I'm feeling energized and I go back and I see this in a whole different light. That happens a lot. Like, I mean, in like, like a real lot. And I, it's, and it's important. It's actually like a, it's really therapeutic, frankly, is to go and do that and do something I really have a passion for. And then I, I love what I do too on both both sides. But I can come back and both both areas serve a different part for me, you know. And and yep. it's important. Set like doing it is it has to be something you really like a lot, you know. Like if you're going to commit time to it, and then you just you get a brain break. You sort of get to focus on something else, and then you you, you rejuvenate a little bit. 
get some rest, and then you dive into whatever that problem was, and you may be seeing it in a whole different light that will then help. But it does. It really, I, I, oh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Y can, can really go into the X if you allow it to, right, and, and, yeah. Yeah. and let that carry over. I'm kind of the same way where um, basically breaking and entering is my, my training ground. You know, it's mm-hmm. my, my guinea pig for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Something think if I think it's going to work here, it's going to work, you know, at my main job at the Shepherd Express. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, you know, so I get to test stuff. I get to try and, you know, that is kind of your safety net too, is is the side hustle. Because if it doesn't work, it's, it's only you that sees it or whatever, you know. Um, but let's talk about kind of what you're doing now too, in addition to Morning Brew. Um, let us know, do you have any kind of side hustles that you're, or side projects that you still work on while you're out there? Yeah, so I started a side hustle with my friend Rachel Cantor, who used to work at Morning Brew, now works at a D2C startup data firm. Um, I'm probably butchering what they actually do, but it's called Tied Up. Um, and it, it was, we call it oddly specific. So me and Rachel had a similar story, both Midwest people. Uh, we moved to, moved to New York. When I moved to New York, I didn't know basically anyone. If I count like some colleagues who I knew remotely, maybe mm-hmm. a few, but I know friends and I didn't really know anyone like from a previous life that had moved to New York that I could even like reconnect with. So I didn't know anyone. And Rachel also was in a pretty similar spot where she moved to New York and she didn't know anyone. And we probably all had a similar experience at some place, whether it's a city, a job, you go into an area, you don't know anyone, it can feel very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you lose a lot of confidence. And so what do you do when you move to New York? Everyone invites you to a happy hour on a rooftop. And the first time you go, you're like, this is the coolest city ever. I'm on a rooftop. I'm drinking beers. I'm meeting new people. And then the second time you go, you still kind of think that because it is pretty cool. But then like 10 times, you're like, I not do another one of these again. This really so, stinks. <laughs> yeah. And so we had this like theory that when people meet in interesting ways or when people meet in oddly specific ways, it, it forms this like story that then you're much more likely to, to stay friends. Like, oh, I met him at a happy hour rooftop. You're like, I meet tons of people. It's not cool. But did you meet him like doing something crazy, like windsurfing? It's like, okay, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm probably gonna be friends with them. So we had this first event called Stoop and Sip where we found 13 stoops across New York. And I thought everyone knew what a stoop was, but in case you don't, it's like stairs that go up and just like in the front of your house. Yeah. And so we found, yeah. we found 13 stoops. And people signed up and then we assigned them to a random stoop in New York city with like five other people that were random as well. And then we brought or had a carrier bring like drinks and snacks to the stoop. And so you went to a random fucking stoop in New York. You met five people. There's some beer or non-alcoholic drinks and some chips. I think this is illegal. So if Eric Adams is listening, I didn't do it. Um, And people like loved it, like loved it. I've still heard people saying, oh, I like am still friends with them or we went on a trip together or we play tennis together because you just met in this really interesting way <laughs> that you can always like, even if things get a little weird, you can just be like, this is weird. We're on a stoop. <laughs> so it kind of gave you an out. And then we did another event called play date where we basically took like fun fifth grade class activities, like guess the musician or playing with Play-Doh. And we had like cute little cereal out. And you went around in groups to like play random, almost like fifth grade games as adults. And we were inside this large baby store. It was weird. Um, And so, yeah, it was oddly specific. And so we've done a few things like that and we're still planning on doing more. But um, yeah, I think also it's a great lesson for people. If you're ever moving to a new city, just Mm -hmm. trying to meet people in ways that aren't like 
centered around just rooftop drinking or bars mm-hmm. is a lot easier. Like join a rec league, like join a book club. I mm-hmm. found that to be much more successful in meeting people. And I'm, I'm really glad I took that route because it's tough being lonely as everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I, I want to steal this and bring this to Milwaukee. <laughs> Dude, you can have it. I'll yeah. license it for free. <laughs> You, that's you awesome. rock and roll. That's, that's right. So cool. That's a, an amazing idea. And you're right. Um, a better way to connect with people than just, hey, I saw you at this bar because I've met a million people in bars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or I've met a million people at networking events or whatever the hell, you know. Mm-hmm. I have not sat on a stoop. I've been assigned to go chill on a stoop with somebody. And uh, and I like that. So yeah. That's... You didn't know what stoop was? Did you not watch Hey Arnold as a kid? There Thank stoop- you. That I Stoop want to shout out Alan because we literally, we had our invite. There's a picture of Hey Arnold. And I think it was Stoop go. Kids Afraid to Leave the Stoop. So yeah. that's a great reference. Shout out to my 90s kids everywhere. Hey uh-huh. We're here. Yeah. We're, 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 we're here to party. I love it. Yeah, that's great. I Same with like the, the shout out to rec leagues. I've been playing rec league volleyball for 15 years now. And I've met so many good people uh, under, right. under the pretense that just we enjoy playing volleyball. And I'm actually going to a game in about a half hour after this with, with some yeah. folks oh, yeah. who I just got to meet too. It's great. And like you do it and, you know, it's just like not, it's not always under the influence of having nine beers, you know, like this, it's more fun to just like, <laughs> and granted we do have beers when yeah. we're playing, but it's, it's, it's a very you know different, different world. So it's I, that's, moderation. That's, awesome. yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so very quickly then, um, how did, you know, obviously it sounds like it was a good response to the first event. How did you kind of get those initial people signed up and, and involved? And, you know, what was the initial reactions when you told them like for that first event, like, Hey, <laughs> you're going to go chill on a stoop. <laughs> I, I think the other thing I'll answer this in reverse. The initial reactions are sometimes friction is good. And I think everyone will go to a bar. So everyone goes to a bar. You don't really know who you're like, it's a really wide range. I think the best networking events are the best way to meet people introduce friction. So you're finding people that have the same personality, same mm-hmm. interest rec league. That's a filter. If you yeah. don't like volleyball, you're not signing up for a volleyball team. So if you do something a little out there, do you want to meet a random person on a stoop? No one that doesn't want to meet a random person on a stoop is going to sign up. <laughs> the only people that sign up are the people that want to meet random people on stoops. And there you go. You put them together and you're golden. So I do think that sometimes the error in like throwing events is people are like, we want everyone to come and Mm. we like, it's just gonna, we're gonna serve water. Everyone likes water. And it's like, yeah, but then everyone is there and it's hard to meet people that have any Mm -hmm. shared interest. So sometimes you want it, you want it to like classify, not classify, but like people to qualify. Friction can be really good. That's like an event tip or a community tip I've Mm -hmm. found. Um, So yeah, uh, that one went quite well. The, the other thing I'll say is like when I moved to New York, I, I was a big, I was on Twitter mainly because I thought more than everyone would hire me if I didn't have a Twitter account because they're big on, they're a digital, they're a digital media company. So I literally went on Twitter and anyone that had New York as their location, I DM'd and I was like, Hey, my name's Kyle. I work for Morning Brew. Morning Brew has like a good brand rec- mm-hmm. rep. So in New York, it's a bunch of hustlers. So they'll meet with anyone that's like, they think might be cool or like, <laughs> Oh, you work for Morning Brew. And I was like, jokes on you. I'm the lamest person there. But I DM'd everyone and was just like, do you want to grab coffee? And I probably met 50 people in my first like wow. 50 days. Yeah. Um, and so like, I also a just met a lot of people through, yeah, no, I drink an insane amount of caffeine. I can't tell, but um, yeah. So that also was an effective strategy. It's just like putting yourself out there. Someone mm-hmm. says no, someone says no. Um, but it also helps you formulate like, 
cold emails and cold DMs. Like it's kind of an art as well. That's going to benefit you for a long time. <laughs> Love it. Slide in the DMs with some morning brew and good things. Will yes, happen. I appreciate exactly. that. <laughs> okay. And then, um, so where do you want to take this, uh, you know, take oddly specific or take, you know, your, your role at morning brew, like, where do you see uh, not to be like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see I love hustle? it. Lay it on where me. Where do you see your hustle in, in the near future? <laughs> Sounds like Kyle. Tell me your deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. Um, What's your parents' relationship like? No. Um, (laughs) For more, I I think, again, the the beauty of uh, side hustles is like there's no pressure. You can turn them on, you can turn them off. And and, and I'll be honest, this whole thing was about side hustles, but I think I'm in like side hustle mode off Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Um, My role at Morning Brew is just this perfect blend of so many different things I'm interested in that it kind of feels like I don't necessarily need to attach a side hustle to it. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it's like seven side hustles combined in one. And I think the company has been really generous about like being able to scale your career and build your career in a way that really excites you. And the role is just so expansive that I get to do a lot of really things that fill me up. And so I think I have great like work-life harmony. So honestly, my future plans are like to continue to do the best job I possibly can at this company. Um, and, and see where that takes me. So I, I'm, a, I'll be honest. I know we're on uh, hustling sideways, but I'm, I'm in side hustle mode off right now. That's good. But that's good. Yeah. You're allowed to have that. That's the, yeah. yeah. You got Everyone's <laughs> got to have their moment. I also like that you use the word harmony for work life, because I, 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 I think now that we're all so connected and literally have computers in our hands, the, the, the balance is, is not, you know, it's like, you, you got to harmonize them. And, and if they're in yep. harmony and you feel comfortable with the amount of time you have in both, that's good. I just, I don't see, you know, like I'm on a lot and, and I'm not going to pretend like I have a, a balance. I have a harmony. I'm, I'm comfortable with yeah. what I've got. I can shut down when I want to, but I can also respond at nine if I want to, you know, like that's, yeah. that's like, if I'm feeling like, I'm you know, like, let's, let's do this. So it's good. And I think you've really found that, that, that nice, you know, that harmony together because that's yeah. difficult. Not, not everyone's able to do that. And that's when burnout happens. So that's, that's uh, yeah. um, acknowledging that. Yeah. It's very true. And I think it's good advice for any like younger people listening is like, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I mean, this is how like culture works is you accept a default and sometimes those defaults are great for you and sometimes they're not, but oftentimes you don't actually examine like, what is the default I'm operating in? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think there's a narrative that's like work shouldn't be X. And Mm -hmm. I I just feel like anything that's like a hundred percent, like declarative is probably wrong. And so I would just encourage you like, what do you want? What role do you want work to play in your life? If you do want something that's nine to five, cause you want to do X, Y, or Z after that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. If you want something that you wake up at seven and you don't go to bed until midnight and the whole time you're working on it, that's also great. And so find what you like and find other people that want that same thing and, and do that. Um, I, I get kind of like frustrated when people are very prescriptive, like work has to be nine to five or work has to be 7 a.m. to midnight. It doesn't. And mm-hmm. find your own thing and don't just accept the default. And I think you'll be way happier. Yeah. 100%. Is, yeah. Well, that is, a, that is a great one to land on is, you know, <laughs> find, find your harmony, find your thing that's going to, you know, your, what works for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so we mentioned that you have a Twitter account because we know that now. <laughs> how, you're, how you're able to work at Morning Brew. Um, yes people do want to get in touch with you and learn maybe a little more about either oddly specific or what you do or any of the various things that you've kind of done in your path to get to, you know, where you're at, uh, where's a good place to, to go and connect with you. 
Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I've heard that's the that's the mm-hmm. boomer platform. I'm there <laughs> uh, at Kyle Heggie, H-A-G-G-E. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kyle Heggie. Um, I'm on my mom's fridge, a picture of me in fifth grade because she loves me. Shout out to my mom <laughs> and my dad. Uh, and then I'm, my email is kyle.d.heggie at gmail.com. So Twitter, LinkedIn, or email. Hit me up if you have any questions or want to chat, and I'm happy to, to do it. There awesome. we go. Perfect. Well, uh, if you are if you are listening to the show or watching for the first time, thank you. Um, if you are watching for your 59th time, thank you. Also, uh, thank you. If you're watching for your 70th time, you're lying. There hasn't been yes, any episodes. That's, that, yeah. that is a bold face lie. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Thank you for um, that. So if you <laughs> want to find this show, you can do that over by uh, we are we are everywhere that you get your podcasts. So, you know, make sure you subscribe and do the whole thing there. Uh, you got to give us five stars, Jim. I don't think we've said that in a while. That's a rule. Yep. Five is a rule. Correct. Yeah. We don't yeah. make the rules. Legally, here. It's just, we just pronounce them. Legally, the minimum is five mm-hmm. stars. My, my friend gave a four star review and I haven't seen him since. Yeah, yep. that's it. That's an easy way yeah. to be excommunicated. I would, I would yeah. agree. Yep. Things happen. All right. People just, <laughs> anyway, um, you can also find us. We are uh, everywhere. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube as Hustling Sideways as well. If you want to be a guest oh. on the show too, uh, we got a Gmail too. So you can hit us up. Uh, it's hustlingsideways at gmail.com. And thank you guys so much for listening. And Jim, keep on hustling. Hustling.